episode of For the Love of Marketing. I'm Namrata, that is Simon. And today we'll be talking about mental health issues and how mental health is affected by social media and the digital uh, the digital innovations that keep happening every day. And before we begin, a trigger warning if uh, topics of mental health disturb you or trigger you in any manner. So please skip this uh, this interview and uh, yeah and another preface that we are not mental health experts we are just discussing about how um, social media the digital landscape affects us as humans and we are just you know trying to bring out the message that you're not alone it happens with everyone and it can be tough and there are ways to get out of this and yeah so hi hi Simon how are you hi. Hi, I'm, yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm really, really good. It's uh, another Friday morning, so looking forward to the weekend. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm good. I just had a lot of fruits, um, juicy fruits for the summer. So nice. I'm very happy about that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I will just begin with my first question. And mm. it is like, in general, how does the digital ecosystem, like all these digital tools that we tools and technologies that we use on the daily affect our mental health what are like, what do you think how does yeah it I mean, like, it's, a, it's a great question and it's one that, that receives so much attention and like you said um we're not mental health experts and, and and by no means do i want anyone to take anything i say in this session as, as sort of some kind of prescriptive advice but yeah you know, I, I think um yeah, mental health is something that's that's received a lot of attention it's something i've actually been quite passionate about for a long time um there's a charity in the uk that that i often support called mind uh, which does some great work um in this space um and you know, I, I think it's it's an area that um you know years ago when i first started supporting mind which was about probably 20 odd years ago you know, it didn't get anywhere near enough attention and it was very clearly an issue i think it gets a lot more attention today which is great it's really good to see that it's um it was dismissed a lot in the uh, the 20th century. Um, as, as, you know, if you're if you've got mental health issues, you're being sort of weak in some way, which is you know, absolute nonsense. Of course, you know, we all as as humans have different things to juggle and balance, and some of those can be incredibly difficult. You know, whether it's financial strains or family relationship strains, or there's there's all sorts of things that can cause difficulty. So it's great that that's getting um, much more attention now, um, and I think with um, with digital marketing specifically, um, and and with the sort of you know, the digital world that we live in, um, you know, one of the one of the biggest difficulties is the sort of always on culture, the sort of FOMO culture that we have. We you know the fear of missing out. You know, we don't want to um, we don't want to be the last one to a, a trend. Um, you know, we want to be on it all the time. Um, you know, if our friends post something, we want to see it, react to it, it and and from a work perspective, obviously, there's so many channels which are you know, fantastic um, uh, for for running a business like Slack, for example, which is which is great instant communication, really great way of running a business, but you know, it can be difficult to switch off from. Um, you know, of course, it's got tools to do that, but you know, in the evening, it's very tempting if you're in an international role to nip in and go, well, what's going on in the States? And in the morning, what's going on in Asia? And you know, from, a, from a UK perspective, obviously. Um, so it's, um, you know, it, it, it's something that can be difficult to switch off from. And that's, um, that's one of the challenges. You know, the, the human brain is not designed to work 24/7. Some people will be, will be comfortable doing that, but not really um, the way it's designed. It's worked. It, it, it's you know, it's really designed to have 
peaks of activity and, and troughs uh, for relaxation, you know, hence why we sleep. And you know, if we go back to the early days of, of humanity, it's, um, you know, chase an animal and then relax, recuperate, right? <laughs> um, uh, that's that's the extent of my uh, prehistoric knowledge, um, but um, but you know I think I think that's that's the that's the issue that we have is the, the lack of turning off, and then I think that combined with um, some of the um, uh, some of the elements of, of of social media where people are being presented with a life that they um, they aspire to and they they can't reach um, can cause a lot of mental health issues. Of course, Instagram gets a lot of criticism. For that, there are a lot of uh, you know sort of travel Instagrammers um, who you know are having this wonderful time going around on luxury yachts all over the world, and, and I think people get very uh, jealous of that and struggle with that, um, understandably. And you see other people's really polished lives, and you think, why isn't my life that polished? And you know, often what you're seeing is not true at all. It's it's set up for social media. Um, in the same way, you know, you could you could look at the you know, the old modeling culture or, or, or the Hollywood culture and you can see the actors and the and the models in their magazines and things and think wow they're so perfect and polished but you know there's airbrushing and there's a hundred takes for that scene that you didn't see and you know you don't know what's going on with their life maybe they have a mansion but who knows what's going on in their life right it might not be all happy so and um, so I think there's a lot of um, a lot of issues around um, around turning off around around uh, so much access to to technology um, and around uh, creation of sort of images and aspirations that can be um, difficult to, to take. Um, I, I think the important thing is that we recognize that um, and we take some steps um, as a society and as individuals to try and support people uh, through those difficult times. Um, and there are plenty of things you can do. So there's lots going on. I mean, that's just scraping the surface. You know, obviously there's a whole list of things, but uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating area and something that I think we, as digital marketers, as business leaders, um, and just as human beings, all need to appreciate um, and and support uh, people in society as much as we can. Yeah, um, being on social media can be very, very mm, difficult. Uh, and when you're not very aware of the reality, like what goes on behind the scenes, it can be all the more scary, like you, start to imagine everything is very real which it is not and on other than that it is also very addictive once you start using social media um you cannot really stop and recently like as marketers we have to be on our phones we have to be up to date on social media on so many different channels and sometimes it uh, you know, leaks out of our professional life to personal life where, where we are using it, uh, social media and all these channels all the time. So um, it's, it's kind of an addiction. So what tips would you like to give? Like what tips, like what can we do to not be so addicted to it all the time? How do we compartmentalize? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's important to draw some lines. I mean, I think I'm going to challenge one thing you said there, which is once you get started on social media, you can't stop. I think that's um I, I think for some people that can be an absolute challenge but i think you can stop and you can always stop and that's important to remember that you don't have to um keep going back to, to social media to see what's going on um and but you're right as digital marketers it's it's very difficult right because you know, we uh, many of us will be heavily involved in in social media in our day-to-day -day. not everyone in digital marketing of course there are lots of different roles in digital marketing but many people will 
um, through whether it's through advertising or content or, or just general branding strategy, all sorts of things. So, um, especially at the small business level where you're juggling so many different pieces. Um, but, uh, but yeah, look, I, I think the, the key is to draw a line, um, as a digital marketing professional, draw a line between what you do during the day and what you do in the evening. Um, you know, I was, um, I was talking to someone uh, just yesterday who was saying that they don't, um, uh, yeah, they, they have a, a colleague who doesn't like to make decisions um, outside of work as they have so many decisions to make in work that when it comes to outside of work, they like things to be as automated and set up as possible. Um, so that's their, their relaxing time and they don't have to stress anymore. Um, I, I'm in the opposite world is that I like to make decisions outside of work time because those are personal decisions and I'm making some decisions about things to do with my life rather than things to do with my job, um, which is which is nice. I like to be able to do that. So yeah, people have different um, considerations, but um, you know, I, I think it's the same with um, with social media. In that there, there will be people who like to be able to still be involved in social media in their in their personal time, um, but they have to make sure that that there's a clear line, right? This is my social media channel. I'm talking to my friends about my interests and my passions. This is not me then sneaking off and just having a quick look at this at the corporate channel and making sure everything's running right separate your notifications separate your apps separate your accounts um and separate the times as well right it's, in, it's important to be able to switch on and off um like i said earlier it's very easy to be in this sort of 24 7 working cycle um but you know, i think you have to draw hard lines especially now that many of us are working remotely um that's obviously changed significantly things since covid it's harder to draw those lines right so the way you would get up in the morning, get in your car, on your train, on your bike, whatever you're going to do, go into the office, do your eight, nine, ten hours, whatever it is in the office, then get back on your bike, car, train, go home, and that's your personal time. Now, often you wake up in the morning and you're, where is the line between starting work and, and having breakfast? Is, are, you, are you having breakfast whilst you work or, you know, you don't commute anymore, you're not in a separate office. So. Um, so where is that line? It's harder to draw. And, and I think people find themselves drifting in and out of things. You might use the same machine for personal computer work and for business computer work. So then, of course, you're doing something in the evening for yourself um, and you'll just drift, just flick in and have an email notification pops up. Oh, let me go and quickly check that. So, you know, I, I think it's difficult to draw those lines. So with social media, you have to draw some lines and say, this is what I'm doing for myself. This is personal. This is not work. I'm not going to get in any notifications. I'm not going to look at any of that. This is just about um, enjoyment and fun and relaxation and, and, and personal time. I think that's really critical um, to getting over it. And just remember to stop, right? You can get reminders as well, of course, on screen time. Um, I think those are, can be helpful if you're finding you've got an addiction um, to staring at things on your phone, um, then get yourself some reminders. I think it's helpful to switch off screens like an hour before bed as well to help the brain sort of just relax. Um, if you don't do that, it can be difficult to, to get a good night's sleep. So I think that's a good thing to do. So setting up some schedules for yourself and, and, uh, and drawing those lines is, um, is probably the best advice I can give. And I think uh, turning off uh, notifications also helps a lot, like have yeah. them triggered for a certain time when you're working or something like that. Yeah, do not yeah. disturb modes and, 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 um, and you know, away from computer modes and things like that um, are really important. And I think, um, yeah, if my personal view is any business that is asking you to pick up all the notifications outside of your working hours is not a business you should be working for. I think that's really... Uh, disrespectful and naive for companies to be 
expecting people to work 24 seven people work when they work and if you know if you as a person run a business and you want to work 24 seven good for you if your staff want to put in extra hours great that's very kind of them but having an expectation that they pick things up in the evening is not right so employees being able to switch off and that's not just specific to social media by the way just being able to switch off anything right i mean just be able to turn off work and, and go on to personal life is really really critical so um so yeah, I, I think um, you know if you're working for a company who's saying yeah, okay, you work nine till five, um, but in the evenings you still need to pick up any social media things and comment on this and respond to these emails if I message you. That's that's not on. That's not on today. I don't. I just don't agree with that at all. Yeah, that's true. That's that. That shouldn't. Although be. I know you often work into the evening now, so thank you very much. But you don't have to, and you know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think right now in my life, I have the time to work like after my working hours, I don't have such responsibilities where I'm stuck, you know, where I have to totally restrict myself. So that helps sometimes. Um, yeah. But other than um, being addicted to social media, there's new phenomenon coming on in the digital um, landscape is metaverse. And scientists are saying that it's going to be all the more addictive. And that can be mm. good or bad. It, I don't know what kind of addiction would it be. Would it be good or bad? And it would be immersive. So it would be many folds. So what are your thoughts on that? Like what would, how would metaverse change the game? Yeah, you know it's how? interesting. I mean, look, what's the metaverse going to become? I, I, I don't know. It, it, it could go in so many different directions here. Um, in the same way, you know, virtual reality is, is sort of bounced around in lots of different directions over the last... Oh, I don't know, 30 years. Um, but um, well, I think it, it's difficult to tell. However, if it goes down um, the direction of travel, um, sort of similar to a, a Star Trek hollow suite, if anyone knows what I, what I mean by that, and I'm sure some people will, um, then, then of course that, that has huge potential to be you know, addictive. I mean, so some of the most addictive um, sort of games and experiences are the ones where you are you know, really immersed in the game, uh, you know, where you are... Um, uh, the experience is happening all around you. There's lots of things you can do. It's quite free and open. You can you know, wander around and interact with lots of different things. Those sort of platforms, environments um, are, uh, are quite, uh, quite addictive, quite difficult to, um, uh, to, to, to switch off from. Right? You can lose hours in, 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 um, in environments like that. So um, you know, if the metaverse takes that direction, I can certainly see... Uh, it being a significant mental health risk because I think people will um, uh, sort of go in there and and do what they do, um, uh, interacting with people and, and living out you know, fantasies and and, um, and passions on a luxury yacht or starting their own business or you know whatever it is that, that, that they can do in the metaverse um, or just you know, trading or you know, you know you could live out so many different possibilities in there. Um, and if that's if that has the ability to create a life that you that you would ideally want and, and can't create or don't want to create uh, ideally in your personal life, um, then that's great in terms of great. I can live out a passion of mine here without it affecting my personal life, but also incredibly dangerous because you're going to want to go in there and live out that passion all the time. So um, so I think there's a huge risk. And I think those that are. Um, heavily involved in the metaverse need to think very very carefully about mental health i would strongly recommend anyone building anything for the for the for the metaverse um that that has an effect on the actual experience to consider mental health and perhaps 
you know, even speak to mental health um, professionals or even bring a mental health professional onto the team if it's a significant project. Um, because you know, if this is true, gonna, truly going to be immersive, yeah, that's really exciting, but also really dangerous. So um, I think we need to tread very carefully. I suspect in some areas we won't. I suspect some things we will just, as a society and as, as an industry, create. Um, and um, uh, and we will have to navigate that. Um, but you know, I think as uh, yeah, as as a as a society that has created many mental health issues through the digital platforms and systems and processes that we've created, I hope that we've learned something from that and we can uh, we can take careful steps with this. But um, but I suspect we won't. So I think mental health professionals need to be um, also thinking about that, um, thinking about the metaverse and what it could mean um, as well for society um, I, I i genuinely I, we've had so many discussions around the metaverse i genuinely don't know where it's going to go over the next 5 10 20 years um but like i say if it goes down that route then um there's certainly there are going to be issues and i think i think considering mental health as part of the build should be should be um intrinsic to what they do yeah we should proceed with caution i think yeah like yeah. before, before metaverse we mentally prepared that it's going to be not easy to put it um yeah so i was researching on like mental health and all uh, different sorts of things and i came across this um terminology um right brain marketing and left brain marketing which oh. uh, intrigued me a lot um it is something that i don't think is talked about enough and it's a very interesting topic and yeah so we are talking on brains so i thought this is also something that could that we could touch so um what is right brain marketing what is left brain marketing what is this um, what is that's what you talk to uh, in terms of how how often it's talked about some people talk about this all the time um it's certainly something that's come up many many times in my career but um but uh, i mean ultimately it's not necessarily about marketing the right brain left brain thing it's a it's a psychological point they talk about how the the right brain controls the more creative uh, side and the the left brain um controls the more analytical side of your mind um and uh yeah i mean even in um even in psychology i mean obviously this is a big part of psychology but uh, when it comes to body language, um, I remember doing uh, having a session with a guy, a psychologist, a um, long, long time ago. This was when um, the TV show Big Brother was quite new. I think it was in maybe its second or third season. Um, and he was the psychologist from the first season of Big Brother. Now, the first season of Big Brother was quite psychology focused. It was the, this is an experiment of putting a bunch of people together, locking them in a room with some tasks and seeing what happens. You know, it later became just a big sort of entertainment piece. Um, less about the psychology um, but he was a absolutely fascinating guy and, and um, he really sort of turned me on to psychology and marketing got me thinking a lot more about it and I think it's it's an area I talk a lot more about what well, a lot about now um, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a passion project uh, for me uh, psychology and marketing so um, so I, I think um, um, I, I think that within within body language you have um, you, know, you can tell if someone's lying because they are looking I think if I get this right, I'm sorry if I get this wrong, but they're looking up and to the left, which means they're accessing the right side of their brain, which means they're being creative. So if they're being creative, then they're not trying to remember, they're making something up and therefore they're lying. So there's, there's little um, great, fantastic body language tips and things like that, which I probably just got completely wrong, but you know, it's along those lines, right? So, um, so yeah, the, the right left brain thing is, is fascinating. 
Now, you, you know, there are there are people who very obviously um, are right or left brain leaning um, uh, in terms of this terminology. So people who are very obviously incredibly creative, um, but really struggle with numbers. And there are people who are obviously very analytical and they, and they can't draw a picture or come up with an idea to save their lives. And that's um, and that's fine. Right. And everyone's got their own um, strengths and, and weaknesses. And that's and that's great. Um, and, and, you know, in any good business, in any good department, you need a real mix of different people to make it highly successful. You don't want a bunch of people that all look the same by any stretch of the imagination and certainly not ones that look like you as a leader. So, um, so yeah, the, you need a mix. However, the, you know, in, in marketing, what's increasingly happening because of the digital marketing world is that everything is really becoming a mix of both. Um, I think we did a post on social media that got quite quite a few shares recently around how a marketer has to be you know, a psychologist and an analyst and an artist and you know, a big, big list of things. And it's, it's true. It's, it's, yeah, that's not a sort of blowing smoke thing. It's, it's, it's genuinely true that we have to juggle a lot of different skill sets and, and thoughts within, um, within marketing today. And you know, so if, if you break it down to sort of the jobs, you know, as a social media manager, you need to be creative to come up with really great ideas that are going to punch through the noise because there's a lot going on on social media. Um, it's going to be unique, interesting, funny, creative. Um, um, but at the same time, you then need to go and analyze those results and say, okay, so I sent that, that message out with that style of design um, at that time of day on that channel versus this message I sent out with this design. And how do I tell whether you know, which one got more engagement and why? And how do I analyze that to improve my social media over time? How do I look at the uh, the uh, insights dashboards to tell me what I'm doing, what my competitors are doing, what's working, what's not? So you know, there's an analytical side to that as well. And you can't just go out and you know, every business hire a creative social media manager and an analytical social media manager. That doesn't doesn't work. So um, so you know, the, in that sense, a, a social media person has to be both creative and analytical. But you know, even when you go right all the way over to the pure creative side of design, you know, ideally that your design is about both as well. Now, in this situation, you might want two different roles, but a designer who's creating a video or producing a, a, an, an infographic or um, or just a social media design or an advert or something doesn't necessarily have to follow it through and analyze the results, but the results have to be analyzed. And it's not just a, a question of, um, you know, I made this one red because I think red's nice or that's our brand color. So I just shoved that in there and they're always going to be that color. You know, you have to understand that, again, psychology of color is an interesting one. Uh, but you've got to test that. You've got to say, let's put advert A against advert B and find out what, what works and why. Is it because we tweak the messaging? Is it because we tweak the timing? Is it because we tweak the audience? So yeah, the creative um, uh, itself um, has a has an effect. And that could be because the picture you've used is positive, because the picture you've used is negative, because it's bright, because it's dark, because it's relevant to that audience, because it's not. There are, there are thousands and thousands of different reasons that a creative can work. So, you know, you think of creative as a, as a right brain thing but it also has to have a left brain element to it in the digital world so your right brain left brain is fascinating obviously some people are i would say most people are a mix of both probably leaning slightly more to one side or the other um and you know really the people who are amazing at their jobs are normally more very heavily weighted towards right or left um in, in their specific job but you know, being a blend of both is helpful so you know if you are a creative marketer um, or a creative person anyway i would recommend um understanding the the analytical side a little um you don't have to do it you don't have to do that as a job um but appreciating um the the analysis and the data crunching and the insights that come from 
um, the creative that you create. And likewise, on, on, the, on the analytical side, understand you know, what the process is for being creative how do they do that how do they, how do they, you, know, you know you won't necessarily ever, ever be able to get there because creative is one of those things that I, I think is really hard to learn um but um if, if if it's possible at all but um but understanding that process and 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 and, and respecting people who go through that is is the key so so really it's uh yeah it's one of my sit on the fence answers where you know you need both um, um, and there's no, there's no right and wrong in it by any stretch of the imagination. There's no right and left in it, I should say, shouldn't I? But, um, uh, but yeah, that, that, I think it's a fascinating area within marketing um, and, um, and something that I think everyone should try and, no matter what side of the fence they, they, they are more comfortable on, get out of your comfort zone and try and learn about the other side. Um, so uh, which side does your brain lean towards <laughs> right or left? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I honestly don't know. I'm probably one of those somewhere in the middle uh, people. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly creative. I mean, as you know, I paint terrible paintings um, and I draw fairly well. And I, you know, I do theatre and music and stuff. So I'm, I'm quite, quite creative in that way. Um, but I do love a good spreadsheet. I do love a good database. I, uh, I do love data crunch and understand what's what's going on and why. And you know, tweak the uh, tweak the numbers and test and learn and um, you know, I did used to be a bit of a programmer 20 years ago, definitely not anymore. Uh, but, um, but, you know, I, I have um, probably both sides. Um, but, you know, I'm not a creative. Yeah, if you if you put my art, my drawings next to a really great creative, they're just embarrassing, to be honest with you. Um, and, um, you know, my analytical skills are pretty good, but you put me up against a serious mathematician. And again, it's going to be embarrassing. So, so, you know, I'm your typical jack of all trades. Um, I can do a bunch of things. Pretty well, but I'm no uh, no expert in most. <laughs> yeah, personally, for me, my left brain has a lot of potential, but I'd rather not use it. I'll just <laughs> I'm happy with my right brain functioning. Um, so like in India, especially um, and Asia, being good at analytics and maths is applauded, and being you know left brained is the uh, you know, it's the desired thing in a child growing up and always it's like, hmm, you should be good at all those things. So do you think that people who use their right brains more in marketing or their left brains more in marketing are at some kind of disadvantage or, you know, it's, it's, it's a... No, I don't think there's disadvantage. I, I think it depends on, on the role of what you're trying to achieve. Um, I mean, I've worked with, um, with, with people whose roles are pure design. Um, and you know, they're not interested in the analytics. Um, and like I say, I think it's good for them to challenge themselves and understand the data and how it's being used, but certainly it's not a disadvantage for them not to do that if they're working within a team um, of people who are able, who are briefing that creative in very well, understand what they need, how they're going to test it, and are doing the analysis. I think that's that's absolutely fine. And you know, those people have been phenomenal designers. I've worked with some some really, really talented um creative people down the years and same on the analytical side people who just have absolutely no interest um in coming up with creative ideas or campaign ideas or or visual concepts or anything but they are incredibly talented um at uh at planning and, and number crunching and you know really analytical guys and, and they've you know been the the difference between the success and failure of a of a campaign many times so you know i've worked with people on, on on both ends of the scale um and of course a lot of people in the middle so i don't think there's a disadvantage as such um to having to being right or left brain focused um i think uh, like i say i think it helps to 
to try and challenge yourself and move out of your comfort zone because it can only make you better, right? It can only improve you. Um, so I think, you know, why not? If you're if you're a great um, artist, great at creating uh, beautiful illustrations, understand what people are doing with them, right? And and, and how that can help you improve. Uh, so I think, um, no, I don't, I don't think it's, and there is no one size fits all. As I said, you were not looking um, as an industry um, or as a, uh, um, as a people to um to try and make everyone the same um that's the last thing we want right uh, diversity is 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 essential to success um i mean even if you just go back to um to pure nature right diversity is essential to uh to success um um so i'm not sure if that's something darwin said probably not but it's probably along those lines and uh, so yeah we need we need diversity to succeed and um and that's critical in every way so yeah whatever people's skills are that's great and there are always places to use people's skills there are always phenomenal jobs for for every person out there and then everyone has their own talents um but my point is that you know don't don't rest on that if you can challenge yourself learn new skills and and expand and beyond your comfort zone it's usually a good thing yeah <laughs> i think Using both sides would be a lottery for people, but yeah, you got to make, do the best for you with what you've got end of the day and keep expanding on it. So yeah, thank you so much, Simon, for speaking with me and it was lovely. Um, yeah, and, and we'll see you all the next week. Yeah, yeah great. Thank Thanks, Dan. Cheers. Cheers. Goodbye.